This morning, uh, we're going to jump right into the Word of the Lord. We're going to continue our series today entitled Unshakable. And I want you to look with me in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 through 29. It says, When God spoke from Mount Sinai, His voice shook the earth. But now He makes another promise that once again I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. And this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. And since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God. Let me read that again. Since we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, how should we live our lives? Let us be what? Thankful and please God. Let us be thankful and please God. Why? Because we're a part of something that's going to last forever. Can I get an amen this morning? We're a part of something that is eternal, and it's called the kingdom of God. And we should be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Look at that first point. We said that we serve an unshakable God. And that's an exciting point because we, we talked a little bit about 2020. We said 2020 was a year that everything was shaken. And now 2021 has started off not far behind it. Right? We're seeing changes and challenges and difficulties across our nation. But the good news of the gospel, what I love about being a follower of Jesus Christ is that we are connected to an unshakable God. We are connected to a God that in the midst of turbulent times, He never changes. I am the Lord thy God, He said, and I change not. Right? We can hold fast to our unshakable God. We talked last week about how that we've received an unshakable kingdom. And we said there's only two kingdoms in this world, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There's, it's not Republicans and Democrats. It's not liberals and conservatives. It's not black versus white. It's not Trump versus Biden. It is the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. And everything in our world falls under one of those two kingdoms. Everything in our world, from every song that you listen to, to every movie that you watch, to every government organization that you're involved with, everything in our world is being ruled by one of those two kingdoms. And we're either building the kingdom of God or we're building the kingdom of darkness based on whether we're walking in the flesh or whether we are walking in the spirit. And we closed last week reading Galatians 5 where the Apostle Paul gives us this amazing description that just clarifies the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness being the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Today we're going to talk about God has given us unshakable resources so we can live an unshakable life. Next Sunday, we're going to wrap this series up, and we're going to talk about what does it really mean? How do we take an unshakable God, an unshakable kingdom, the unshakable resources that we're going to talk about today, and how do we take those three things and implement them into what we want to call an unshakable life, a life that is consistent and steady when all the world and all the dust shakes and settles around us that we're still standing. We want to live that kind of life. We're going to talk next week very practically about how we live an unshakable life based off of what God has given us through himself. So let's talk about unshakable resources today. So what is what are unshakable resources? They are resources that never run out. They never run dry. How many of you know that sometimes your bank account runs dry? Sometimes there's more month than there is money, right? Uh, sometimes uh, your health and your wealth both will run dry. How many of you know that sometimes the government runs dry? There's a lot of dry things in our world. There are a lot of things in this world. As a matter of fact, let me just say it like this. If you can see it, touch it, taste it, it is limited. But we serve a God who is unlimited. He is eternal and He is supernatural. And God has given us unshakable resources that never run out. They are spiritual, they are eternal, and they are not temporal. So we have access to some things 
through Christ that are unshakable, unending, ever-flowing resources that never run dry. Amen? So, today I'm going to give you three of those. And, and, and I told the early service this morning, they're, they're not the only three. There are really... <laughs> There are really unlimited resources in Christ. There's the grace of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. So many things that we have access to as believers in Jesus Christ. But today, I want to give you what I just want to call the taproots. The taproots, three taproots that really, I believe, give us access to everything that God has. And here's some good news today. We don't have to tap out because we can tap in to what God has given us. We don't have to tap out. We don't have to surrender. We don't have to give up. We don't have to give in. We don't have to roll over and play dead. Come on, somebody. Because we can tap in to the unshakable, unending resources that God has given us. We have a river that never runs dry. We have resources that never run out. There's more money, more health, more wealth, more power, more provision than we could ever use up. It's not temporal, it's eternal. And it doesn't come from man, it comes from God. But how many of you know that he owns it all? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills too. So we have access to the unlimited resources of God. So we don't have to tap out. I see so many Christians tapping out. I see so many marriages tapping out. I see so many people tapping out. They're just giving up and giving in, throwing in the towel, walking away from so many different things. I want you to hear me today. Don't tap out. Tap in to what God has given us through the unshakable resources that he has made available to us today. Now, let me just go ahead and say this today. You're not going to be surprised by these three things because they're the foundational things that define who we are as Christians. But I hope that you get a fresh vision and a fresh understanding and a fresh passion to tap in to what God has given us. And just go ahead and decide today, hey, I'm never tapping out. <laughs> I'm never going to tap out of this thing called Christianity. I'm not tapping out on my marriage. I'm not tapping out on God's vision. I'm not tapping out on the church. I'm not tapping out on life. I'm not tapping out on America. Come on, somebody. Man, I see so many people tapping out on our country. What is wrong with you? Don't tap out. Tap in. Tap into the hope of the gospel. Tap into the resources that we have through Jesus Christ. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't walk away. Don't get so frustrated that all you want to do is curse God and curse country. No, let's tap in to the resources that God has given us. Let's talk about them. The first one today is the Word of God is unshakable. The Word of God is an unshakable, unending resource that we have in God Himself. Now I want you to see something today because this is really important. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible can be burned, the Bible can be banned, and the Bible can be destroyed. But the Word of God endures forever. The Bible can be burned, banned, and destroyed. And as a matter of fact, since its creation, it has been. Tyrants and, and, and people have tried to burn the Bible, ban the Bible, destroy the Bible, and they have. But guess what? The Word of God is eternal. The Word of God is bigger than just the Bible. The Bible is the written Word. But we forget something. Let me tell you what we forget. We forget that the New Testament church, y'all remember Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell? You remember Acts chapter 3, 3,000 people were saved in one day and God birthed the church, brought into existence. We forget that for hundreds and hundreds of years, the New Testament church did not have a Bible. 
We forget it was in the 1500s, 1500 years after the birth of the church, that the first Bible was ever written in English. 1500 years after the birth of the church, before there was a Bible that me and you could even read. So let me ask you a question. How in the world, how in the world did the New Testament church spread, grow, multiply, and infect and change the entire world? They literally took the gospel to every place and every planet in the known world. And the church prospered, and the church grew, and the church multiplied, and the church advanced, and amazing things happened. Signs, wonders, and miracles took place. How in the world did they do it without a Bible? Because they had the Word of God. See, the Bible is the Word written, but God's Word is eternal. You can burn this, you can destroy it, you can ban it, but you can't stop the Word of God. The truth of God's Word lives forever. Now, I love the Bible. <laughs> I love the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Amen. I am. I love it. I read the Bible every day. I study the Scriptures. It was the Word of God when I got into the Scriptures that my heart and my life began to change. But you know what I realized? It wasn't the ink on the page. It was the Spirit of God quickening the Word of the Lord. It was the truth of God in my heart and my life that began to change me. And I encourage people, you need to read the Bible. 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 If you have one New Year's resolution, it ought to be to read the Bible every day. It will change your life. But I want you to understand, God's bigger than a Bible. And God's Word is not, quote, confined to the Bible. How many know God still speaks today? <laughs> he talks to me all the time. He talks to me all the time. And you know what's crazy about when God talks to me? Sometimes He says stuff that's seemingly simple and irrelevant, like, don't forget your keys. You need to pick that up before you leave today. You, you, ever, you ever started to leave your house and you had that little thought, you need to get that, and you're like, no, I ain't going to need that today, and you walked out without it? And then you got out there and all of a sudden you're like, man, I needed that. Why didn't I grab that? Holy Spirit. I'll, I'll share a little funny with you guys. Several weeks ago, I wasn't able, first time, I think Kelly said since, well, we were quarantined for COVID for a couple weeks, but that I've ever missed church for actually being sick. And I had what I thought was some kind of allergic reaction. My face was swollen up. My eyes, my face swelled so bad, my eyes were almost swelled shut. I broke out this red rash all over me. It was horrible. I mean, it just hurt. And so, anyway, I didn't come to church that Sunday. <clears throat> went to the doctor on Monday, and uh, we prayed for went. Lord, give him, give him wisdom. Because I'd already talked with a, a doctor over the weekend that my doctor, I couldn't talk to him, so I talked to a family doctor. And uh, she said, well, I, I don't know, it sounds like you had a food reaction or a reaction to some medicine or something, I'm not sure. And so anyway, we're working through all this stuff, and, and it was, it was right, right after Christmas, and I just ate, Kelly made a bunch of chocolate candy, and I thought, Lord, I hope I'm not allergic to chocolate. <laughs> so I didn't eat chocolate for one day, and then I thought, that ain't it, I'm going to eat some more. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we, we go, I go to the doctor on Monday morning, and, and the doctor's sitting there, and I'm telling you, two minutes he's in the room, and he looks at me, and he says, you haven't been around a campfire lately, have you? And you guys may remember, we got a fire pit last year, and I get up two or three mornings every week early in the morning, and I'll build a campfire, and I'll have my quiet time by the campfire, and I'll just spend time with the Lord, and I'll pray and read my Bible. And I'm like, well, yeah, I burn, burn a campfire two or three times every week. He said, well, you didn't burn any poison ivy, did you? <laughs> and when he said it, oh, my gosh, when he said it, Immediately, my mind went back to that Tuesday. I got up like at 2.30 that morning. 
And I went out and was burning my little fire, having some quiet time. And I've got some wood that I burn. But I'd been out there for a couple hours, and then it was still early. So I thought, I'm going to go out in our little woods and get me some logs and put on the fire. And I went out there and grabbed me this big old log. And, and literally, I put it on the fire, and the thought hit me. I hope there ain't no poison oak on that. That was the Holy Spirit. That was God talking to me. And I just like, nah. <laughs> yeah, well, that little nah hurt, took me out. Praise God. So, God's Word's bigger than the Bible. We need the Bible. We love the Bible. But God's Word is eternal. Let me tell you what the Bible says about the Bible. I'll tell you what Jesus said about it. Not about the Bible, about the Word of God. Heaven and earth, Matthew 24. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. That's Jesus. Psalms 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled where? In the... Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the what? In the heavens, not on earth. Why? Because earth is temporal. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but God has settled his word forever in the heavenlies. Look at verse 160, Psalms 119, verse 160. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endure forever. 1 Peter 1, 23 through 25 says this, For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end, but your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. And as the scripture says, people are like grass. Their beauty is like the flower in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Think about something. When Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, my words will never disappear. When David said, God's word is forever settled in the heavens. When Peter said, you're born again by the eternal word of God. They, none of those people had a Bible. They weren't talking about the Bible. They didn't have one. They had the Old Testament scriptures, but they did not have the Bible. What did they have? They had the Word of God. They had the living Word of God. They had the express Word of God. And so I just want you to understand something. God speaks, and His Word is powerful. His Word is eternal. When you get a word from God, don't pass it off. Don't reject it. Don't neglect it. Don't abandon it. Hold on to that thing because there's spirit and there's life. And I love what Jesus said, John 6, 63. He said, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are what? Life. And so we understand we have an unshakable resource. We have the word of God that endures forever and ever and ever. So let's talk about the word of the Lord. Look at that next point. God's word is the sword of the spirit. And it is a hammer that smashes rocks. It is our weapon of warfare. It is what we use to destroy and demolish the strongholds of the enemy. We don't fight like the world fights. Come on, somebody. We don't fight like the world fights. We have spiritual weapons of warfare. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Right? God's word is the sword of the spirit. Ephesians chapter 6. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of of God. Look at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
God's word is a sword. It is a weapon of warfare. And if you want to win the battle for America, prayer and the word. Come on, somebody. We pray and we act on the word of God. Prayer and the word. That's why every day when we have a prayer focus, we have a scripture to go with it. Why? Because when you pray the word, you pray the will of God. You pray the truth of God. And it is spirit and it is life. And it is the sword of the Spirit that wields and wars against the powers of darkness. And it is a hammer, we're going to read that in just a minute, that smashes the rocks to pieces and brings forth the glory of God. And all of a sudden we begin to recognize we war with the Word. It is a spiritual weapon that the world has no defense against. You want to fight for this nation? Then bless this nation. Bless this nation. Isn't it interesting? Think about this. Isn't it interesting that, that when you get frustrated, discouraged, or overwhelmed in life, one of the first areas of attack from the enemy is your words. First, he attacks your mind. And all of a sudden, he gives you all these thoughts, right? Nothing ever works out for me. Don't matter how hard I try, nothing's ever going to change. We're never going to get out of debt. My kids are never going to be saved. My family's never going to serve the Lord. This nation's just going to, you know what? And the reason he bombards your mind is, let me tell you why. Because he wants to capture your words. Death and life's in the power of the tongue. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Satan bombards your mind because he wants to capture your words. He wants you to begin to curse your life, curse your family, curse your kids, curse your finances, and curse your nation. Well, Pastor Keith, I'm a Christian. I don't curse. Well, I beg to differ. I think I hear Christians curse all the time. Every time you say, nothing ever works for me. Nothing good ever happens to me. No matter how hard I try, nothing's going to change. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. Nobody's for me. Everybody's against me. And it just seems like, I mean, I'm just down, and it just seems like God doesn't even care about me. You know what you just did? Curse, 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 curse. You just cursed your life. You just cursed your body. You just cursed your life. I've been amazed through COVID how many people that were once so full of faith are now speaking death over their lives. And I'm all in favor of wearing my ass, doing whatever we got to do. Hey, let's be common sense. Let's be wise. Let's be stewards of what God has given us. But don't allow your mouth to become a tool of darkness and destruction and begin to speak death over you. People that used to declare life are now speaking death. Why? Because they've lost the battle in their mind, and now the enemy is winning through their mouth. The moment your thought becomes your word, you just lost the battle. So we got to wield the Word of God. we got to speak the Word of God. Let me give you a truth here today. God's Word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's Word in His mouth. When you say what God says, it's spirit and it's life. When you say what God says, it's creative power. When you say what God says, you're releasing His kingdom come and His will be done on earth in your life as it is in heaven. And we got to begin to speak the Word of God. It is our weapon. And Satan wants to steal your words. He wants to pervert your words. He wants to corrupt your words. He wants to remove all the faith out of your words and fill you with fear. And I say this a lot. I don't just say it now. I've said it amazes me how many people curse our nation, how many people curse their families. 
I used to work construction, and it's a wonder anybody ever got anything done because they cursed their tools, they cursed their trucks, they cursed their businesses. And all the while, I'm just in there laying carpet. I'm thinking, Lord, I'm so blessed. I'm using tools my daddy bought 40 years ago. They're still working. Had a guy work on my van one time. He said, Pastor Keith, he said, I know the Lord's watching over you. This thing shouldn't even run. I said, praise God, it runs great. I just need you to make it run better. Why? Because why death and life is in the power of the tongue. The word of God in your mouth is a weapon of warfare. Look what the scripture says. Last verse I want to read here. We're going to move on to the next point. Look, look what it says here in uh, Jeremiah 23, verse 29. Does not my word burn like fire, says the Lord? Is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes rocks to pieces? Let me challenge you with something. You got a hard thing in your life? You got a hard place in your life? You got a hard person in your life? Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. You in a financially hard time? Speak the word. Marriage going through a hard time? Speak the word. You got, you got a loved one that's in a difficult place and they're just hard to get along with? Just speak the word. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. You're never going to bring them out of darkness by cursing them with darkness. Call them out. Call them out. Call those things that are not as though they were. Why? Because God's word is a hammer that splinters rocks. And you start blessing them. And you start blessing them. Father, I thank you they've got a heart that loves you. They've got a tender and responsive heart. I thank you you're opening their eyes to see and their ears to hear the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that you're calling them out of darkness. It's not your will, God, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I just declare the salvation of God and the favor of God and the blessing of God and the goodness of God and the mercy of God over their lives. God, I thank you that you're good all the time when we come in and when we go out. And I just declare, Father, your goodness and mercy over my family today. And all of a sudden, amazing things, right? You begin to war. And all of a sudden, that word goes out. And they don't have a weapon against it. Because you don't have to say it to them. Let me tell you why. Because you're not speaking to them. There's a kingdom over them. You're warring in the spirit. That's the great thing about prayer. I can pray for somebody on the other side of the planet and never see their face. And my prayers can prevail on their behalf. And I can pray for my kids or my grandkids or a cousin or a co-worker that is far away from God. And I don't ever have to look them in the face and say, you need Jesus. I can just pray for them, pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. And hey, I might have an opportunity to say, you need Jesus, and I probably will tell them that. But the reality is, is when I'm not around them, I'm going to pray more for them than when I'm in front of them talking to them. Because there's power in the Word. The Word of God is spirit, and the Word of God is life. And when you say what God says, you release spirit, and you release life. Hebrews 4, let me make one more quick statement to you, and we're going to move on. This is so good. This is such a full message. I hope you brought your knife and your fork today. I mean, come on, steak and potato this morning. Hebrews 4, 12, I'm going to read it again. For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I love that scripture because, because God's word pierces, God's word penetrates, and God's word discerns the thoughts and the hearts of people. That's how you can come to church, and we can all hear the same sermon, and we can all walk away with a different nugget and a different truth. I had a guy come up to me, literally come up to me one day. He, he had just got saved, and he had just started coming to the Lord, never been in church his whole life. And he came up to me one Sunday. He said, Pastor Keith, i got to ask you. He said, I'll be honest with me. I said, okay. He said, uh, do you have people following me around during the week? 
He said, every Sunday I come in here and you always talk about whatever I went through this week. He said, it never fails. Every Sunday you talk about what I went through this week. I said, praise God, I ain't got nobody following you around. That's the Spirit of God and that's the Word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword. Sometimes I have people say, Pastor Keith, boy, I love when you said such and such and such and such during Sunday's sermon. And I'll think to myself, I don't remember saying that. And I'll go back and listen to the sermon. I didn't say it. But they heard it. You know why? Because they heard the word of the Lord. They heard the word of the Lord for their life. I didn't say it. God said it to them. And somehow they thought I said it. And that's okay. I'll take a little credit. Give God glory all to God. You know, because I'm not anything. But I'm like, I didn't say that. And the Lord said, I did. That's the power of the Word of God. And it's an unending resource. You can't stop it, guys. It is spirit and it is life. It is spirit and it is life. It is spirit and it is life all the time, every day, all day, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It is spirit and it is life. And it is a weapon of warfare that wins the battle. Amen? Last point on the Word of God. Look at this next point. God's Word is an unshakable foundation upon which we can build our lives. It's an unshakable foundation upon which we can build our lives. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. God's word is an unshakable foundation upon which we build our lives. And here's what I love about that scripture. Jesus was very clear. There's going to be winds. There's going to be waves. There's going to be storms. To everybody. Everybody experiences winds, waves, and storms. But here's the good news. If your life is built on the rock, you will stand. What is the rock? It's the Word of God. Jesus is the living Word. He's expressed His Word. We have the written Word that we call the Bible. And it's the Word of God that we build our lives upon. And if you build your life on the rock, guess what? When, every, when all the dust settles, you'll still be standing. You'll still be standing. Come hell or high water, you'll still be standing because you've built your life on the rock. We've all seen people experience, I mean, amazing success and fame and fortune. And three years later, nobody even knows their name. They were the talk of the town. And three years later, nobody even knows their name. Who won American Idol three years ago? Who won the national championship this year? <laughs> That's a little help. I'm sorry, guys. Three years will probably be wondering. Maybe not. Who knows? All right. Look at that next point. Y'all allow me to have a little fun? I apologize to John Wesley and all my Auburn fans out there. So I had to put it out there. So. All right. The Holy Spirit. Let's talk about this. The Holy Spirit is unshakable. He is an unshakable resource. We have the indwelling, abiding presence of the Spirit of God in our lives, and we are never alone. Y'all say that with me. We are never alone. We are never alone. We have the indwelling, abiding presence of God in our lives. When I was a young Christian, I used to have these two thoughts. I'd read the Old Testament, and I'd think, man, how awesome that was, all those signs, wonders, and miracles. And then I'd read the New Testament, and I'd think, man, how amazing that is just to be able to walk with Jesus. If I could just walk with Jesus, boy, if I could have seen the Red Sea part, if I could have just seen all those amazing things, you know, when Elijah took his mantle and hit the water, and he parted, and he walked across. I'm like, man, if I could have just seen all that, if I could have just been with Jesus, that would have been so amazing. God, I'd have so much faith, I could believe you for anything. And then Jesus comes along and messes all that up. Look what he says. John 14. 
Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, that's the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. And the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans, I will come with you. How many glad he hadn't left us alone? And then look what he says in John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. What? It's to your advantage that I go away. Jesus said the only thing better than walking with me in flesh is having the indwelling presence of my spirit in you. In the Old Testament, the spirit of God would visit people. He would move on them and he would lift off them. That's why David in the Psalms prayed, Lord, do not remove thy holy presence from me. Because the Spirit of God would visit them and then He would leave them and they would be alone. <laughs> but in the New Testament, Jesus came and when He died and rose again, He sent the Holy Spirit to be the indwelling, abiding presence of God in our life so that we would never be alone. And He said, it is to your advantage. It is better for you to have the Spirit in you than to have me beside you. Because that's the power of the Spirit of God. It is an unending resource for us. Now here's something just to think about. We can grieve the Spirit because when, as, a, as a believer in Jesus Christ, when you sin, it grieves the Spirit. It brings sorrow to the Holy Spirit. Y'all know that? We can quench the Holy Spirit, which literally means to pour water on a fire. We can quench the Spirit when the Holy Spirit tells us to do something and we don't do it. Disobedience quenches the spirit. He says, pray for them and you don't pray for them. He says, bless them and you don't bless them. He says, help them and you don't help them. And all of a sudden, you just grieve the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you what you can't do. You can't extinguish the spirit. Because <laughs> he's eternal. You can grieve him. You can quench him. But there is an eternal spirit that abides and dwells in you. That Jesus said will be with you forever. <laughs> Isn't that what he said? And he will be with you forever. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 13. Let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I am never alone. He is with me. He is for me. And he empowers me by his spirit. Romans 8, the next scripture there on your outline simply says this. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And if he who dwells in you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he's going to give life to your mortal body by that same spirit. And so all of a sudden we have this indwelling, empowering presence of God in our lives. So what can man do to us Jesus said he who believes in me out of his belly will flow rivers of living water we have a unending well guys an unending well called the person of the Holy Spirit that never runs dry the fruit of the Spirit never runs out there's always love there's always joy there's always peace there's always gentleness there's always goodness there's always faithfulness there's always uh, self-control there's always the fruit of God's Spirit in our lives. We have access to all of those things through the person of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, everything that you receive from God comes through the Holy Spirit. He is the one that makes those things available to us. Look at that next point. The Holy Spirit empowers us to endure, overcome, and advance the kingdom of God. 
I love what Paul says here in 2 Timothy. He says, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. As a matter of fact, everyone abandoned me. But may it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and he gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he has rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God the Father forever and ever. Amen. The Holy Spirit empowers us to endure. To endure and to, to overcome. To endure hardships. So I, I don't know that we talk about that enough in the church, but following Jesus doesn't mean everything is rosy. There are some hard times. And let me tell you why there's some hard times, because not everybody's following Jesus. Right? The government makes ungodly decisions. Your employer might make some ungodly decisions. The company, the, the city, the state, the nation might make ungodly decisions. And we live in a world where people aren't always doing what's right in the eyes of God. And so there's hardships and there's difficulties and there's struggle. We live in a world cursed by sin. And the curse of sin is still affecting our physical bodies. But all of a sudden we recognize something. We recognize, we recognize that God gives us the power to endure. I'm glad Christians aren't wimps. You ever met some wimpy Christians that only serve God when everything's going their way? And the moment it gets hard, and the moment it gets difficult, and the moment it gets challenging, they start whining and complaining, and I can't believe God do this to me, and I don't know why he's left me to walk through this all by myself, and I don't know what's going on. I'm glad Jesus didn't face the cross that way. I'm glad when it came time for him to walk down that hill and walk up, walk up Golgotha's hill with that cross, I'm glad he wasn't whining and complaining and grumbling and griping, wondering why the Father was no longer with him. I'm glad that like a man, he stepped up, he walked through, he pressed in, and he stretched out his arms, and he gave his life. Nobody took it from him. See, the Holy Spirit empowers us to endure hardship. The Bible says, Paul told Timothy in another place, endure hardship like a good soldier. We got some awesome men in this church and women in this church who have served in the military. And let me tell you something, boot camp ain't a joke. And if you get sent, especially overseas, to serve, it ain't easy. It ain't fun. It ain't a cakewalk. But they're soldiers. So what do they do? They endure. There is supernatural power to endure. And there's supernatural power to overcome. Paul said when he went before the judge to be judged for preaching the gospel, everyone abandoned him. Everyone abandoned him. He said, but the Lord stood with me. Let me tell you one of the greatest things I think the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. He empowers us to overcome discouragement. And disappointment. You ever been disappointed by the people that didn't stand with you? <laughs> you ever been discouraged by the people that said they were going to be there and then they weren't there? I can't even count how many people have come to me and said, Pastor Keith, I love this church. I'm never going to leave this church until they left. <laughs> I can't even count. But I bless them when they come and I bless them when they leave. Why? Because God's good. Right? And I'm not God in those people's lives. So I don't have the right to tell them where they need to go to church. You get to go where you want to go, praise God. But if you're not careful, you'll be disappointed. And you'll be discouraged. 
because the people said they were going to do it. And you know what, Pastor Keith? They were Christians. I can't believe that Christian. I mean, he's a Christian. Supposed to be a Christian anyway. I mean, I can't believe he treated me that way. And I know you've never done that, right? I know you've never given your word and missed it. I know you've never said you'll be there and you didn't show up and weren't there. Oh, I know you've never done that. See, we, we, we can't judge people by a standard we're not willing to live up to ourselves. Unless you got your perfect card yesterday, you don't have it. So welcome to humanity and let the Holy Spirit empower you because he will. So you don't have to quit and give up because everybody else does. You don't have to walk away because everybody else walks away. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm more fired up about America, and I'm more fired up about being a Christian, and I'm more fired up about the body of Christ than I've ever been before because I do believe the best is yet to come. I believe God is about to pour out His Spirit in a way we've never seen. I believe that in the darkest night, the light shines the brightest, and God declares His dominion and His power. I think signs, wonders, and miracles are about to explode in this place. Amen? But if you don't have the grace to endure that, if you don't let the Holy Spirit empower you to endure, and if you don't let Him empower you to overcome, you'll be discouraged and disheartened and frustrated, and you won't even stay the course. And when you should have been in the middle of it, you'll be on the outside of it looking in. Man, I want to be right smack dab in the middle. Amen? Come on, God. I want to be right in the middle of it. Where all the glory comes out. I want to be right where you're at, God. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to endure. He empowers us to overcome. And He empowers us to advance the kingdom. I love what Paul said there. He said, the Lord stood with me and He gave me strength that I might preach the good news in its entirety to the Gentiles. And He rescued me from certain death. Man, he, he gave him power to preach the gospel. It wasn't about advancing Paul's personal agenda. And it wasn't even about fulfilling some kind of promise to keep Paul comfortable. When you read Paul's life and ministry, he was not comfortable most of the time. Paul didn't sign up for comfort. He signed up for kingdom advancement. And the Holy Spirit gives us power to do that, to advance the kingdom. Now, praise God, there's a lot of comfort in Jesus. He is so good. And your life and my life is a million times better in Christ than it ever was without Christ. Amen? But you didn't get saved because you were signing up for comfort. You got saved because you were dead in your sin and headed to hell. And there was one hope, and that name was Jesus. Amen. And he chose to rescue us from our sins. Amen? The Holy Spirit. Y'all with me? Everybody okay? The Holy Spirit gives us eyes to see the invisible and ears to hear the eternal voice of God. Eyes to see and ears to hear. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says, But it is written, the eyes not seen, the ears not heard, nor is entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Let me just say this to you today. When you can see what other people don't see and you can hear what other people don't hear, don't, when you can see what they don't see and hear what they don't hear, you can do what they can't do. You can stand when everybody else runs. You can be unshakable when you hear what they don't hear and you see what they don't see. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. He said, I don't look at the things that are seen because the things that are seen are temporal. I look at the things that are unseen. I fix my eyes on the eternal. Let me just tell you this today. If you, if you constantly, if you look at what is seen and you listen to what is seen, you will be depressed. If you watch the news 24 hours a day, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray the Lord gives you the strength to turn it off. Because it's depressing. 
I found out about 15 minutes I can learn everything I need to learn because the rest of the 24 hours, they're just giving their own opinion. I don't care what their opinions are. I really don't. What does God say? What does God say? What does God say about my life? What does God say about my family? What does God say about my future? What does God say about my nation? God says, blessed is the nation, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. God says, righteousness exalts the nation, but sin is a reproach to all people. So guess what? We're going to reap what we sow, but I'm going to do the right thing no matter what anybody else does. I'm going to declare life and blessing and favor and grace over my nation and over my family and over my community because my God is good. But all of a sudden, I begin to see things. You begin to see what others don't see. You see the invisible. You hear the inaudible voice of God, and God speaks to you, and he shows you things, and he reveals things to you. And when we walk in that, guess what happens? There's, there's power there. And what's amazing is that's an unending resource. God still speaks, and we can still see, and we can still hear what we've never seen and heard before. In 2 Kings, I love this scripture. It says, so one night, the king of Aaron got a, sent an army with many chariots and horses and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God, this is Elisha, Got up early the next morning. He went outside. There were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do? The young man cried to Elisha. And so he said to him, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and he looked up and he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Those that are for us are more than those that are against us. Anybody believe that today? Anybody believe the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of darkness? The kingdom of light is greater than the kingdom of the enemy? That our God reigns and our God rules and he is still king of kings and lord of lords and he reigns and rules in us and through us and we're not defeated. We are conquerors and victorious champions through Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden you start seeing what the world doesn't see. And you start hearing what the world doesn't hear. And then you start living what the world doesn't live and that's an unshakable life. See, I haven't changed the way I've lived my life, not one iota, in the last eight years or 16 years or any of those, because I don't build my life on the cues of government. The president does not dictate the way I live my life. God does. Amen? And when we see what he sees and we hear what he says, we can live like he lives and we can do what he's called us to do. His kingdom come, his will be done. Jesus looked at the world and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray the harvest, pray the Lord of the harvest that the laborers would come. Amen. That he would send laborers. And I pray for laborers every day in the harvest. Amen. Let's talk about our last thing. So the word of God, the spirit of God, and now the love of God. The love of God is unshakable. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I've said this many times. Hell is full of people that God loves. People don't go to hell because God stops loving them. They go to hell because they reject the love of God. They reject Jesus Christ, God's Son. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. In life and in death, in good times and bad times, we are more than conquerors because He loves us. 1 John 4, 8 says, If anyone does not love, uh, anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God does not love. God is love. And God is eternal. So guess what? The love of God is eternal. God loves you. Did you know that? God loves you. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8, look what it says. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? If God didn't withhold Jesus, surely he'll give us everything else that we need. Verse 33, and who dare accuse us? 
Who dare accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. And who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. So nobody can accuse us and nobody can condemn us because it's God that's made us righteous. Right? We're not righteous because of ourselves. We're righteous because he loved us and sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And by faith in that finished work, we're now made right in the eyes of God. Look at verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Look at this, this next part. This is huge. Does it mean he no longer loves us? If we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or are destitute or are in danger or are threatened with death. Does it mean, that's a great question, does it mean that God doesn't love me when troubles and trials come my life? Absolutely not. The love of God cannot be measured by the response of man. The love of God cannot be measured by the circumstances of flesh. The love of God can be measured only by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. First John says this is how we know love, that Christ died for us sinners. The love of God is eternal. God loves you in the good times and the bad times, in the hard times and the difficult times. God loves you. Last Sunday I preached the funeral of a 21-year-old spiritual son of mine. Did God stop loving him? Is that why he died? Absolutely not. Death is the enemy of God. No, God loved him and sent his son Jesus for him so that when natural death came, spiritual life could consume him and he could be called up to glory to spend eternity in the presence of God. It's interesting to me that when a child gets sick, they never look at their mom and say, Mom, why did you stop loving me? I'm sick. But when Christians battle hardships, we look at God, our Father, and say, Father, why did you stop loving me? I'm going through a hard time. Kids have a little more wisdom than we do. Mama didn't stop loving you because you got sick, and God the Father didn't stop loving you because hardships and trials have come into your life. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on to say, look what he says. Verse 37, he says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I heard a guy describe what it means to be more than a conqueror. He said more than a conqueror is when two heavyweight fighters get in a, mat, get in a ring and they beat each other's brains out. And one guy walks out with a million dollar prize. And he goes home and his five foot two, uh, his five foot two hundred pound wife takes the check and goes shopping. <laughs> She's more than a conqueror. She's more than a conqueror because he did the fighting and she enjoyed the prize. How many know we're more than a conqueror because Jesus fought the battle and we get to enjoy the prize that God has for us? Come on. And that is his love and his grace, his mercy, and his truth poured out on us. He says, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither fears of today nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, God doesn't love us because, he's lovable, because we're lovable. God doesn't love us because we're lovable. He loves us. And through a labor of love, he makes us lovable. See, God loves us to life. He doesn't love us because we're lovable. Let's be really honest. When you came to Christ, you probably weren't very lovable. And let's be even a little more honest. Uh, we're not always that lovable now. But God loves us anyway. And he loves us to life. 
He loves us so It's amazing how the love of God rubs the rough edges off of our lives. Isn't it amazing how the love of God can pierce somebody's heart and the worst sinner can become the greatest saint? The guy that hated everybody can become the guy that loves everybody. The guy that cursed every other breath and hated the world and despised the world and beat everybody up and abused his wife can become the most tender, gentle, compassionate, caring person on the planet because of the love of God. God's love is so powerful. Look at this last point. The love of God is unshakable. The love of God is unstoppable. It is the one thing our world has no defense against. We can't curse people into the kingdom, but we can love them in. There's no defense against the love of God. Think about this. Christianity is a labor of love. Let me, let me just encourage you in something today. If serving God is not a labor of love, you need to have a heart check. And I know there's hard times, and I know there's difficult times, and I know there's times we just kind of pull up our bootstraps and we just press in and do what we got to do because that's what we said we're going to do, and I'm all in favor of that. But I think as a general rule, Christianity should be a labor of love. It was a labor of love that God loved us, and it ought to be a labor of love as we serve God and serve people around us. It ought to be a labor of love. Now think about this. The world can debate our doctrine, and many times they can debate it better than we can. The world can criticize our churches, and Lord knows we give them enough ammunition because there's no such thing as a perfect church. The world can find fault lines in our faith, right? Because all of us sometimes on our worst day, <laughs> isn't it amazing we can go from, whoo, God can do anything, to Lord God, where are you? <laughs> the world can find fault lines in our faith. They can look at the best of us and say, oh, you were inconsistent here. You said you were believing God, but over here you're whining. Over, you said you were believing God, but over here you're complaining. You said you, they can find fault lines with our faith. They can debate our doctrine. They can criticize our churches. They can do all that. But guess what they can't do? They can't stop our love. They can't stop it. It's an, un, it's an unstoppable weapon of warfare that pierces the hearts of people. I'm going to close with my favorite, favorite love story about the love of Jesus. I've shared it many times, and I wasn't going to share it in the Holy Spirit this morning. and said, I want you to share that story again. When I was growing up, my pastor growing up, his name was Brother Leroy. He was a big old guy, 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". I don't know, he's big. When I was a kid, he seemed really big. He was really big, too. He was about 300 pounds. He was just this giant of a guy. And, and he told the story of, of being in seminary. He was a Baptist pastor, and he was in seminary uh, in New Orleans. And he said on Friday nights, they'd send all the young preachers uh, down to Bourbon Street to go and share the gospel. He said, every Friday night, somebody throw beer bottles at us. Every Friday night, somebody would cuss us. Every Friday night, somebody would threaten us. You know, they'd spit on us. They'd do all these crazy things. He said, but one night, he said, this group of guys, about four, five, six guys, he said, got after me. And he said, they wanted to hurt me, maybe even kill me. And I was running for my life, he said. He said, and I'm running for my life down Bourbon Street, and these guys are behind me chasing me, really wanting to do me harm. And he said, and I turned a hard corner into an alley to try to escape from him. And he said, when I did, he said, I ran into the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. Now, he's about 6'3", 6 6'4", 6 6 He said, and I looked up to this guy. He said, I literally bounced off his chest. He said, when I bounced off him, I looked up and saw this monster of a guy standing in front of me. He said, the only thing that came out of my mouth was, Jesus loves you. <laughs> he said, about that kind, that crowd of guys came around the corner he said, that big old guy just took me in his arm and he swept me behind me, behind him. He said, he stuck out his big old hand in his finger. He looked at those guys and said, you need to leave him alone. He said, and they scattered. He said, about that time, he turned around. He said, when that big man turned around, he had tears. 
running down his face. And he said, he looked at me and he said, I've never had anybody tell me they love me. And he led that big old guy to the Lord that night. And with three simple words, Jesus loves you. There's no defense, guys. It is the greatest thing that we have. The world can't stop the love of God. If you hate on the world, they know how to hate you back. If you curse the world, they know how to curse you back. If you fight the world, they know how to fight you back. But if you love the world, let me just be honest. If you love them, they may curse you. If you love them, they may hate you. If you love them, they may punch you right in the nose. But if you keep loving them, all the walls start falling down. All the walls. They don't know how to fight love. They don't. So we can't curse a man, but we can love a man through the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's do this. Let's just bow our heads today. If you're watching online or if you're here today with us this morning, I want to just encourage you in this. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith? I've never embraced that love. Maybe you've stiff-armed the love of God. Maybe you've rejected it and pushed back from it. But today, maybe you realize that what you need more than anything is to let the love of God pierce your heart. Because I want you to know today, Jesus loves you. And he died on the cross for you. And there's only one hope that you have in all of this world, and that is him. He's it. And if you're here today or if you're watching online, today is your day of salvation. The Bible says now's the appointed time. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I'd like to receive the love of God in my heart. I want to be saved and born again. I want you just to raise your hand. Every head's bowed, every eye closed. Just a simple act of faith. Just raise your hand. If you're watching online, just click that little hand emoji or just say, I'm raising my hand. Just type something in the comment there. We're going to pray together here in just a minute. But if you're here this morning, you've never received the love of God. Today's your day. Today is your day to let Jesus Christ save you and deliver you and come into your heart and your life. Let's just pray this prayer together. If you're online, you can pray it with me. Let's say it out loud, everybody. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin and rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and Savior. I want to be born again. Today, I receive Jesus is Lord and the love of God in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you this morning. If you prayed that prayer, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And if you prayed that prayer, please let us know. We'd love to follow up with you and help you take those next steps. I love you guys. God bless you this morning. Hope to see you Wednesday night for our night of worship. And uh, let's just press into what God has for our lives. Amen? You are dismissed.